0: The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Roots of Reconstruction by Rusas John Rushduni Narrated by Shelby Luke
1: Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction. By Russus John Rushdunning. In lieu of the judgment of God across this nation, I appeal to you to listen, learn, and live as the Holy Spirit guides you in the truth of the Word of God. The words and prompting of fallible men do not hold a candle to the truth of Scripture, and the truth of Scripture will only be words to our ears unless we exhort, establish, and exercise these infallible words in every area of thought and life. Calcedon Report, number 130, June 1976. In 1951, a group of prominent Americans wrote on the fabulous future America in 1980. The writers included David Sarnoff, George Meany, Nathan M. Pusey, Earl Warren, adelaide Stevenson, Charles P. Taft, Henry R. Luce and others of note. They saw as likely by 1980 the global control of climate, a sharing of wealth, and George M. Humphrey, then Secretary of Treasury, wrote of things to come under the title, The Future, Sound as a Dollar. This glorious future is possible because the management of government is in the hands of men of integrity and high moral purpose. Henry R. Luce said that by 1980, World War III will have happened or been bypassed. But if it had happened, men would have moved ahead into greater progress. Luce saw a great change coming in man himself. He saw a new human nature ahead, a new mutation in man's evolution. This great change would be engineered by man himself. Man would control his own evolution in collaboration with God. The key word for loose was evolution. As he pointed out, the American word before evolution was providence. Precisely. Now, however, a new word, a new gospel, had replaced the old, while man was now a collaborator with God. To all practical intent, the new man and his new world would be the handiwork of man. Earlier, the providence of God had been naturalized into Léas fier, Providence had been retained in its workings, but had been disassociated from God. God remained in the system of Adam Smith as the very necessary insurance agency and foundation, indispensable but best left invisible and unmentioned. Darwin's faith in the omnipotence of chance left God unnecessary. In this new world view, all things are held possible, given enough time for chance to accomplish, and nothing is impossible for chance. Now omnipotence was taken from God and given to chance, or to whatever person or agency could control chance. Man immediately set out by means of the scientific socialist state to be that agency, and the result in the 20th century has been the epiphany of the new God, status man. With this in mind, it is easy to understand the confidence of the authors of The Fabulous Future. They knew the new God well, meeting Him as they did daily in their mirrors. They had unlimited confidence in Him. The new God has all the benefits the old God lacks, in examples, science, sociology, state controlled education, and much, much more. The new God is not afraid to intervene directly and thoroughly into human affairs, into every sphere of life by means of a superimposed controls. Slow, painful trial and error ways are thus obsolete. As well as the necessity for moral decision, a superior agency provides man with the government he needs. The only question, in the minds of these new gods, is with respect to the people. Will they become a new man, a new mutation, soon enough? The target date, 1980, is approaching, but the hope set forth gets dimmer. John von Neumann the Atomic Energy Commission had predicted in 1955 that in a few decades hence energy may be free, just like the unmetered air, with coal and oil used mainly as raw materials for organic chemical synthesis. The new gods have not lacked power. They have governed in almost every nation on Earth. They have applied their plan or their decree of predestination to one sphere after another. Instead of being content with a mere tithe, as the old god is, the gods have taxed from forty to a hundred and ten percent of man's income, and their paradise only becomes more remote rather than nearer. Man's plan has replaced God's providence as the governing principle of men and nations, and it is man's plan that is failing. Surprisingly, however, the very eloquent praise-singers of man's plan come from the churches. Man's plan seems to all such to be humane. It shows concern for humanity and is a logical outgrowth of their Christian faith and so on. Laosfer is a dirty word to them and its root doctrine. Providence, a forgotten faith. A city in colonial America was named Providence, AND MEN ONCE FELT SECURE, NOT BECAUSE TAX MONEY WAS AVAILABLE TO THEM, BUT BECAUSE PROVIDENCE UNDERGIRDED THEIR TOTAL BEING. NOW THE WORD IS RARELY HEARD, IN OR OUT OF CHURCH. WHEN THE CHURCH CEASES TO SPEAK OF PROVIDENCE, IT CEASES TO SPEAK OF GOD. WHY? PROVIDENCE IS THE SUPERINTENDENCE AND CARE WHICH GOD EXERCISES OVER CREATION. It is God's continuous government over all things in terms of His sovereign lordship, decree, and purpose. Where men trust instead in man's plan rather than God's providence, they are of necessity antinomian. They substitute man's law for God's law. The government is then upon man's shoulders and in man's hands. In almost all churches today, God is God emeritus, while man reigns instead. God is honored by lip service even as He is relegated to the oblivion of retirement. After all, why should the old God interfere with things when the new God is doing so well? If the new God is failing, it is because the people are not yet new mutations or are clinging too much to their remnants of the old faith. Besides, the new God has only been at the job for a short time. Give me more time, he says, and I will remake all things. In brief, the new God has his own doctrine of fair. Leave me alone, he says to the old God and his people. Do not interfere with or sabotage my plan. To work, it must have no extraneous impediments. GIVEN THAT FREEDOM FROM OUTSIDE CONTROL, ANYTHING FROM GOD AND MAN WHICH MIGHT DISTRESS THE PLANNERS. AND PARADISE WILL SURELY COME ON SCHEDULE. IN FACT, THE AUTHORS OF THE FABULOUS FUTURE COULD ALL BUT HEAR THE FOOTSTEPS OF PARADISE APPROACHING. NOW, OF COURSE, THEIR SPIRITUAL SONS HEAR THEM TOO, BUT THEY SUSPECT THAT IT IS THE BEAST AND HELL WHICH APPROACHES. And as long as man's plan operates, nothing else can result. Providence, anyone? Chalcedon Report, Number 131, July 1976 As was pointed out earlier, Report 123, Christianity establishes distinctions and requires a division in terms of God between sin and righteousness, good and evil, and between the saved and the lost. Matthew ten, thirty four through thirty five. There is a required line of separation, but the line must be God's, not man's. As humanism flourishes, however, the exaltation of man leads to a progressive equalization of all men, the criminal and the law abiding, the rich and the poor, the intelligent and the dull witted, and all others are leveled into one common status in the name of democracy and equality. For humanism, all things are relative to men, so that no standard can be allowed to judge man, who is himself the only standard. Whenever man is affirmed as the standard, life and the world, as well as God, are negated. If man is his own God and law, no outside standard or law can judge him. The result is the collapse of all standards and of society's ability to progress. If man is his own god, then because there is no need for a god to improve, progress, or be educated, there is no need for man to change or improve himself. Early in man's history, the Far East developed the great civilization, reached a high state, and then stagnated or collapsed. Why did Asia lose its eminence? From an area of growth and vitality, it turned into an area of decay and of defeatism. Its philosophies uniformly came to a position of world and life negation. The reason for this decay was the triumph of humanism and the negation of all absolutes other than man. Kuan Yin, the Chinese goddess of mercy, typified this triumph humanism. She refused to enter heaven, supposedly declaring, Never will I receive individual salvation until every last man born or to be born is received into heaven. This equalitarian creed means no heaven and no peace on earth. Heaven can only be heaven if all are saved, and earth can be good only if all are held to be equally good and equally deserving of the best. But this is impossible, and the result is cynicism, despair, and pessimism. Without standards, and with only a total democracy of all men and values, not only are good and evil equal, but all men and the life and death are also equal. Nothing has meaning, and the result of all this democratic faith and love of all things was the equal hatred of all things, and, in the end, a belief only in nothingness. As a result, Asiatic thought and life decayed. Its basic premise was, in effect, the exaltation of nothingness. This strain of thought invaded Greece and contributed to its decay. This same nihilism was a factor to the fall of Rome. The Middle Ages decayed as the same humanistic relativism became again prominent And wandering folk singers and student rebels propagated the faith from place to place, and churchmen echoed it from the pulpit. Today, the same situation confronts us. The logic of modern humanism has led to the same collapse of values. As a result, modern men find the old faiths of Asia. A while ago, rapidly being tossed onto the garbage piles of civilization, suddenly very attractive their nothingness finds an echo in modern man's emptiness zen buddhism taoism hinduism transcendental meditation and much more being dragged out dusted off and pressed into reuse for the funeral of modern man in these faiths there is no providence only nothingness AND THE LONELY THOUGHTS OF MAN PROJECTED AGAINST AN OCEAN OF MEANINGLESSNESS. LOVE IS AFFIRMED, AND A VAGUE HOPE THAT THERE IS SOME KIND OF IMPERSONAL TENDENCY IN THE UNIVERSE WHICH IS CONGENIAL TO MAN'S IDEAS, BUT THIS IS ONLY A PROFESSION OF DESIRES, NOT A DESCRIPTION OF REALITY. HOW LONG CAN MAN UNDER PRESSURE BE SUSTAINED BY A VAGUE BELIEF IN A MINDLESS GOODNESS OF SORTS? A universe stripped of providence is a universe stripped of God and meaning. Love and hate, good and evil, and life and death are then equally meaningless. When man makes himself God, he not only robs the universe of meaning, but also himself. The line between man and the animals is broken down, and the line between organic and inorganic becomes also vague and indistinct. When God declares, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Leviticus 19.2 He is declaring Himself to be separate, and calling upon us to be separated in terms of His law, calling, and covenant. The principle of His creation and recreation is holiness, the separation of all things in terms of His creative purpose and calling. Man is called to understand the meaning of God's holiness and to develop that line of division in all creation. A line must be drawn between the holy and profane, that which is brought under the dominion of God's kingdom or temple, and that which is outside of it. Because of the fall, the world and its peoples are profane. First, they must be made holy by God's grace, which we must proclaim. Second, in terms of His law, all things and men must be developed in terms of their potential and dedicated to the purposes of God's kingdom. Holiness requires dominion. No dominion means no holiness, which indicates a profane estate. The modern forms of the Kuan Yin philosophy indicate that ultimate profanity is exalted into ultimate bliss and salvation. All things must be separated from God according to this faith, in terms of the equality of nothingness. The Kuan Yin faith is hostile to separation and to progress. The idea of advance it promotes is a leveling of all things to the lowest common denominator. As a result, the modern devotees of Kuan Yinism are hostile to Christianity, progress, technology, freedom all things else which further the line of divisions among men and nations. All must be leveled. Let us remember, as we see the exaltation of leveling, that for the Middle Ages, quite rightly, the great symbol and illustration of equality and democracy was death. Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Bruce's John Rushman. Lord willing, we will be reading again next week. Until then... May God bless your endeavors as you serve the one and only King Jesus.
2: It was the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, the love he shown us by his pain. At Calvary's tree Where he died For you and me And if the love He deserves We should As Oh, how precious Jesus is to us As the husband of the bride-to-be Tell the world of his wrath Tell the world of his love. Christ has set you free, set you free.